Meg here, and you're listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan, a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. It is Thursday, and the U.S. women's national team has just defeated Australia 4-3 to to win the bronze medal at the Tokyo Olympics. Steph Young, as always, is here to discuss the game. Before we get into it, though, subscribe to The Athletic for all of our women's soccer coverage and beyond. There's always a deal for you at theathletic.com slash fulltime. So that ended in a fashion that was maybe more interesting than it needed to be. But really, I guess it is kind of fitting considering this entire tournament and how we have suffered that we did deserve a no defense, just vibes game. That's what we got. I mean, seven goals, one of them was pretty late. And, you know, the United States goes into five in the back to hold on to a lead. (laughs) It was very... If I had to be awake at 4 a.m., at least they gave me that. They gave us chaos. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. I feel a little bad for Australia. You could see, like, Caitlin Ford and some others were really having a sharp word for the ref at the end because she just yeah. blew. She just blew <laughs> for full time. Like, they should have gotten a corner kick. Play had stopped, and she's like, nah, that's enough. Even <laughs> though there was an injury and stoppage that should have added probably at least another 30 seconds, maybe a minute. She's like, no. We're, we're done here. I'd like to go. I'd like to go home. And I was like a four-three Olympic game where one team kind of got jobbed by the ref. Where have I heard that before? Why is this familiar? I mean, I do. My main takeaway with that final whistle is that is a game that is going to stick with Australia. And as as much as I'm sure they would like a bronze medal, there is really something to having that sort of white hot annoyance at that result that I mean I just always will think about Western New York flash North Carolina cards losing to Portland Thorns in that NWSL championship and that is the start of their (laughs) (laughs) run as villain of the leagues so sometimes there is something to like traumatic loss then propelling you in a direction it worked for the U.S. in 2016. Right. While we're making, while I'm making Canada comparisons after the game, Tony Gustafson straight up said, I want them to remember this so that they never feel like this again, which is almost verbatim what John Herdman said after the 2011 World Cup, where he's like, I showed pictures of sad Christine Sinclair to the players (laughs) because I know they would want to avoid that feeling at all costs in the future. So maybe Tony should put up a picture of like a really sad (laughs) Sam Kerr. It's like Ted Lasso with a Believe poster, but it's just a picture Mm -hmm. of sad Sam. Yeah, just like you don't you don't want to do this. Yeah, exactly. Please don't do this again. Yeah. I think it, I mean, Australia certainly had, well, first, no, no team played good defense today. So, <laughs> like, we, we can set aside, I think, parts of this. But I think Australia has always kind of been that potential dark horse team, right? Mm-hmm. And I think before this tournament started, a lot of us had kind of looked at Australia and looked at the run-up to this tournament and went, oh, there's danger everywhere for this team. So I do think that they did perform in a really good fashion, like way above expectations, I think, for any kind of neutral looking at them before the tournament going, they cannot, they cannot buy a goal right now. <laughs> they, 
they're coming in with a whole bunch of losses and draws and to yes you're finishing fourth right but they have semifinal experience Steph Catley said that after the game which I'm sure does not feel like a huge amount right now but they have semifinal experience against the United States which I think is also a plus and they're hosting a world cup like I think a bronze medal obviously would have probably done some more for momentum but again like in terms of narrative, we have seen this story before, and it it works. Yeah. Tony Gustafson took them from getting scored on 10 times in two games <laughs> to within a hair's breadth of the gold medal match. So I yeah. think that's, you know, good progress for them. I was just thinking, as you were mentioning the World Cup and how, yeah, bronze is probably a slightly better platform, but they're going to work towards the World Cup. So they have something in place to be working towards that they already have. I was like, just give us this. We need this. Please. (laughs) I know that's so selfish. Like, we're the United States. We have World Cups. We already have some Olympic medals. And so me just going like, please, we need this. (laughs) is like, it's churlish, you know? But... I was kind of feeling <laughs> But that. also, we needed this. And yeah. I think, you know, what is really interesting to hear some of this post-game stuff of Megan Rapino saying in the mix zone after we had this players-only meeting and we got to decide if we wanted to play shitty or if we wanted to actually play and look like ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we saw the result. And I think they did look like themselves. They also still kind of played a little shitty, right? But mm-hmm. we, we got best of both worlds there where they were able to pull out the win. I think it was a very exciting game. 4 a.m. time slots, again, have not been kind for those of us watching back home. And to have an Olympico <laughs> as our first goal, <laughs> that was a nice wake-up. That was a nice wake-up for for once. Yeah, yeah. Um. I thought something that was a little bit interesting was, once again, Tony Gustafson, he said this was the United States that they had prepared for in group stage. And then Mm -hmm. when they didn't come out in the high press, you know, coming out at 1,000 miles per hour, he said it really threw them off and they had trouble adjusting in the first half. And so to a certain extent, I think you can find clues that like, Vladko did get some of his tactics right. He did get some of his tournament management right. Some. Some. <laughs> not Some not, with a capital S. Not enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, especially for that game, we saw hints that it's a game of, like, Tony's like, I know, and he knows, and he mm-hmm. knows that I know, and I know that he knows that I know, and then they were kind of trying to, you know, figure that out. So I think... To a certain extent, we get the surface part of it, but we don't see, like, the giant iceberg of binders yeah. that Vlatko has, <laughs> right? Yep. And so when people are like, yeah, Vlatko out after this, I'm like, I don't think you should be so fast to jump to that conclusion. I just also think I understand the logic of looking at load management and squad rotation and saying what players are going to stack up against this particular team and this particular opponent. Mm -hmm. That's not in and of itself a bad idea, Mm -hmm. but also I think previously this team has been very used to having, again, this very consistent feel, Mm -hmm. right? And this consistent, I mean, with Jill Ellis, the kind of the phrasing that she used constantly was like a core Mm 14-15, right? And other... Other players felt more like specific options for very specific scenarios. 
and you always like but that was that was kind of the framing that we saw especially through the 2019 world cup right of uh, we heard a lot about that core mm-hmm. <laughs> we've got the core 1415 whatever it is and so i think to go from the sort of we've got our starting 11 there's this chemistry that gets built to then swapping to this approach of we're going to change the starting 11 and rotate players through and rest and do all of these things that might also unbalance their opponents so that way they're not ever prepared for the same starting 11 every single time. Like, again, logically you can see how this works, but also I can understand how it doesn't always work in the execution either. Right. If we're going to laud Vlatko's load management, we also need to look at things like Kelly O'Hara, 470 minutes in 15 days. Like, what was the plan if she or Crystal Dunn got hurt? Emily Sonnet? Mm -hmm. They clearly did not trust Emily Sonnet to come in and take over that role. And then today we got the absurdity of Emily Sonnet right mid, you know, (laughs) in kind of like the 5-4-1 or whatever, trying to hold on to the lead, just putting her in. I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> okay, if I'm Christy Mewis seeing that sub going in without me, I'd be like, sure, man, I guess I'm just here to sightsee. Oh, I can't even do that. But, you know, that that's a little bit ungenerous. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm just tired. I, I mean, there again, there have been specific, I mean, even this morning, looking at, obviously, Ellie Carpenter having to miss this game, Claire Polkinghorne coming in as a starter for Australia, and it's just like, why would you not immediately look at that and go, Kristen Press, you are on her this entire game, which is not right. what happened. Right. And then, so, like, I guess they had Casey Kruger as well, but again, they yeah. didn't seem to want to look at her. They didn't seem to want to look at any of the quote-unquote alternates who are now in the main roster, but that's what I was I mean, minus of. Lynn Williams, yeah. right? Like, Lynn Williams got her big moment, then, but also then... <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it just brought me back to what you were talking about, the core 14-15, and I was like, you guys made all these arguments to get 22 players on the roster to help with the exhaustion and the build-up, and then, you know, you have players putting that kind of load on their bodies over two weeks plus one day. But also, like, only certain... It just, yeah, like, it got used for some players and then not for others... It was just kind of weird combos. Again, Kelly O'Hare, I think, is a really good example of that, of just, like, in terms of a player where you would maybe want rotation. And also, like, there were some questionable performances in there as well. And it's just, like, you have... You brought what you intended to be a pure defender in Casey Kruger. Like, you you could slot that player in and probably Mm -hmm. feel pretty... If you're naming her as an alternate even like i understand that that's outside of the 18 but there were some options even if it's just half time so do you like formula one but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on then we have the podcast for you introducing the race f1 briefing the podcast that brings you the latest f1 headlines in 15 minutes or less With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us.
also the sub windows, I think, were a factor <laughs> that none of us really knew how to anticipate. <laughs> they came into play today with Alex Morgan. Also, I, I saw a lot of tweets when Alex went down of just like, this is time wasting, but like the theatrics. And then she had to come off and I was just like, all right, well, <laughs> right. That- and then they couldn't replace her because they'd used all the sub windows. And yeah. then Flacco actually got asked in the post game, why didn't you sub someone in? And he just goes, the rules? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the rules. And I had actually submitted, you know, one of my questions was, so do we have an update on what happened with Alex Morgan, which did not get asked. So no. we will see if I have um, asked their press person via email to be like, hello, could could we get an update still? Um, so we will see just because obviously, you know, there are now a couple of concerning injuries to players. Alyssa Nair in a full knee brace today was, um, I'm sure not a sight that most people in Chicago would like to see, but again, we know that there's no ligament damage, so Mm -hmm. positives there, but I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to be talking for (laughs) a few months about the Olympics and and kind of all of the lessons and takeaways. And I do think that, you know, I put this on Twitter too. We are we are kind of in the suspended animation part of this now where, okay, they win bronze, right? We get this kind of breath. They then play, I think, what is probably going to be four games for this mm-hmm. post-Olympic setup that mm-hmm. is already negotiated, right? So, first of all, all 22 players will get bronze medals. Also, all 22 players get their bonuses. So, win there. Thank you, Vlaco, for that squad rotation, making sure every single player got in <laughs> on that. Like, that is honestly, like, that's yeah. a, a really good thing. Um, so, that is a win. And then you get four games, and this is going to be probably most of this roster minus players who might opt out. I mean, like, you think about the 2019 victory tour, right, and Alex Morgan didn't really play Mm -hmm. so there will be maybe a couple players who who say i i need to rest or whatever um but then you really what we're looking at now in terms of like the big the big thing that we're all now waiting for right i think that's november Mm -hmm. and the the question is there are November, I, I need to like go back and actually look, there's there's slides every single U.S. soccer board meeting of kind of the overall plan. I'm pretty sure they're over Thanksgiving. Um, so there are three friendlies in this window. Mm-hmm. And that's the camp I think that everybody will be circling in terms of who gets called up. And then the question is also, do we get another identification camp in December? Because I think the answer is probably yes. November, December, and then leads right into their usual yearly January. So that's going to be, I think, a wild three months in terms of... (laughs) Yeah. Especially NWSL will be finally over for any ID or January camp. So they won't be as restricted. You know, one area of turnover that happened during this tournament was Tierna Davidson stepping into the Abby Dahlkemper spot. Like, Dahlkemper mm-hmm. had a shocking tournament, mm-hmm. and Blacko kind of stuck with her. There's something to be said with, like, seeing if your player can play through it and improving because you show confidence in them, and it didn't seem to take. Um, <laughs> and that's an area where you can't 
really let people kind of work it out. You kind of have to just be like, yeah. we got to put in the players. Like, you know, Davidson made some mistakes, but I thought that she showed this tournament that with some more experience and playing time, you know, we're ready to start seeing a turnover in crucial areas like center back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely going to be. And also, you know, I think someone like Naomi Gurma from Stanford, right, is probably going to be in the mix mm-hmm. <laughs> in in kind of taking that Tierna Davidson spot, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are there are players kind of at least lined up, I think, for at least most positions. Like, yeah. I, I think that there is the left back question is always probably going to be <laughs> a real a real question for this team. It just seems to be haunting the U.S. Women's National Team. But, you know, I think even even during the game, Julie Foudy is, like, listing players who are ready mm-hmm. to get their looks. And I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of talk of, okay, you know, the chapter has closed. And I think that's very fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, now I do think that we're kind of in this in-between liminal state with with the u.s women's national team where we're not quite there but we're we're waiting mm-hmm. we're waiting for that next chapter to start and i i think there is something to having i keep using the word patience but <laughs> having the patience to reach that but also i think fully letting this version of the team go mm-hmm. yeah there's going to be a big chunk of turnover. I honestly think that Canada has handled their generational slide a little bit better. Yes. Um, <laughs> they have. A little more gradually. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's just the, the the way the timing of their retirements and stuff worked out and... I will be interested to see if we get any public details because Vladko himself mentioned, you know, I'll be submitting myself for review. He's not very <laughs> formal about it. Like, he was just like, superiors. I will let my superiors review me. Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess that is how most jobs work, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and He's got his one-on-one with Kate Markgraf <laughs> I really <laughs> next Monday. that they, they, they dissected, yeah. including, like, your little <laughs> diagram that you had to make for the article with, the like, the fishbone <laughs> process honestly that stuff is very helpful to like brainstorm i mean (laughs) just again this was like a a different part of my life but like there is something to being trapped in a room trying to figure out like as a group Mm -hmm. okay yeah (laughs) let's figure out what factors are at play here because some of them are going to be surface level and you need to address those Mm -hmm. and you have to fix them but also they're not going to fundamentally help you figure out how to get better and how to prevent problems from happening. So you have to do a lot of work all at the same time of just, like there are going to be a lot of questions about player execution and the defensive lapses, but also I don't know if those are necessarily like, we've talked so much about like the identity of this team. Mm -hmm. That's surface level. The identity of the team and how they pick rosters and how they're going to completely... turn over this team probably ahead of the next cycle that's way bigger shit to do (laughs) carly said that in their meeting they it was a lot of people talking about their feelings Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily very interesting right it wasn't necessarily a tactical meeting 
And Pino's implication as well is like we said, like can't, we can either play shitty or we can not play <laughs> shitty. Yep. Right. It sounded like it was much more of a mental get together, where it's like, mm-hmm. let's go, girls. <laughs> we can, <laughs> you know, we can either. Yeah, we, can... we like let's just put Shania Twain on exactly, and we will walk <laughs> out of this room, and we will be fixed. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like that was kind of what they needed. It's also easier to just leave everything on the field because it's literally the last game. Mm-hmm. Last game of the season. Brent can't hold anything back now. Yep. Yep. So there's a lot of things working in their favor for this. I I really want to know if we'll ever get, though, like some kind of internally circulated case study where they maybe did interviews and stuff and we have the data like from this tournament that was showing people's, you know, work rate and stuff. Was there a noticeable drop off, et cetera? Like I'm a, I like data, <laughs> <laughs> so it, I think I would love to see like an official report, you know, just summarizing what 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 they learned. And even even if they like interview every single player and they try to pick out commonalities between what everybody was saying, what you know, and all their their like feelings statements. That's important yep. data, too. If everybody is saying the same feeling, like, or I felt mm-hmm. tired, or I felt angry, or I felt alone, I felt unsupported, you know, that's yeah. valuable, too. I mean, it's it's full-on processing. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, but that is, if you have 22 players all saying, I felt tired, or I felt like this was a grind in the way that a major tournament was not before then you have, that is its own data point and a valid one. I want to point out Claire Watkins, I think for Just Women's Sports, talked to some players like Becky and Mm -hmm. Crystal, and they kind of mentioned before the tournament, the friendlies and stuff that they had played, they weren't energizing. It was just all grind. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And we saw well, them doing stuff like getting on their exercise bikes in really hot rooms to simulate, to acclimate their body. I mean, heat. everything I've heard about the heat training sounds absolutely goddamn miserable. So, and to be fair, like, we are not pro athletes. I am absolutely not a pro athlete. Mm-hmm. Like, I get on my exercise bike and I have a very nice fan that my wife bought for my <laughs> birthday. And if I don't put on that very nice fan and I'm just in a normal temperature room... I feel like dying. So I can only imagine trying to bike for an extended amount of time in like 90 degree, 90% humidity or whatever these can do. Like it's got to suck. Yeah. Unrelenting just temperature around you on your body. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. It's so yeah. awful. People might be like, ah, oh, it's just hot. Just deal with it. But like the last time I tried to play pickup, it was, you know, in 90 plus degree weather. Admittedly, it was very sunny and I don't know. And they were playing, you know, more in the evening, but it was unrelenting. And my body just felt like it wanted to turn into Alex Mack, like that little goo puddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the ground. But I also couldn't. when they were in Houston, like I was in Houston, it was not pleasant weather conditions. But like when I was sitting in my hotel room, watching the Euros on television and air conditioning because I refused to go outside, they were outside training. And it was, Mm -hmm. feels like 104 with super humidity. Like, it was not pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I used to... I would go outside to, like, go get coffee, and I'd be like, I'm... mm -mm, mm -mm, Yeah. mm -mm, 
No. I used to live in, in the deep south where it would be hot with like 100% humidity. And I can't do it anymore. I went to the <laughs> northeast for a reason. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think today, you know, early on in that game, I think there was kind of like where the... F- F was this team this entire time, right? But I think also, again, my only conclusion from this game, beyond no defense, is they needed that result. And I would rather have them turn it around and get that win and earn the bronze and actually resemble the U.S. Women's National Team, right? And I think we heard a lot about that today Mm -hmm. of just like, we got the mentality back, we got the mentality back it's way more important to have that happen in this game yeah, than it is for us to be frustrated that it took this long. I mean, Carly can talk about we got the mentality back for this game all she wants, but at the same time, when you look at how they played in this game, that was not something that was going to be sustainable over three games of group, quarterfinals, semis, and then mm-hmm. possibly a gold medal match. Like, they really did... I mean, it, it wasn't... They came out in like a very high pressing situation, and throughout the game, the the that front line they were picking and choosing their moments to like really press Australia's defenders. Sometimes pressing them all the way literally into their own goal. Yeah. Um, well, there was one moment where like Sam Mewis just like kept running, and I was like, oh, okay, like mm, yeah, all right, that's happening. Yeah, and I was like, that is not sustainable. Right. Like the mentality piece. Yes, it wasn't there, but like specifically yeah, with different yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> specifically yeah. what they were doing in this game it's like that <laughs> they they would have died by game four right i mean this is pure like we have dignity on the line and also pure fu mode of right. like no we're gonna we're gonna get a result you which is it, what yeah you pointed it out to me before the game the starting 11 everybody's smiling and then Kristen press is just like <laughs> dead eyes like a shark no expression just like completely innerly focused like shaping her Mm. rage into this pure spear (laughs) of attacking power yep yep (laughs) i don't know i don't know i mean we will we will now also just p.s like the the gold medal match has been (laughs) changed time-wise so (sighs) I mean, which I honestly don't hate because it means we get naps, but, (laughs) um, and like a full night's sleep. I would much rather wake up at 7 a.m. than have to watch a game at 10 o'clock tonight. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, I think tomorrow we'll probably look at the tournament as a whole once we have the winner, but I don't, like, overall, just in terms of U.S. women's national team performances between this tournament and Rio. Mm-hmm. It feels worse in some ways, but also better in some ways. Because I feel like, again, this is kind of the Like, Rio sets up 2019. Mm-hmm. And you get the necessary changes. And I honestly think, like, in some way, this is going to serve the same function. Yeah. That there's going to be necessary changes that come out of this. And again, maybe again, maybe this is optimism, but the U.S. Women's National Team has actually shown when its back is against the wall that it can adapt mm-hmm. and change. 
And I think Tokyo has provided that. Yeah. I think it definitely showed us maybe there's a limit to what <laughs> their <laughs> fitness program can overcome. <laughs> um, thinking back now to my own statements before this tournament about like, yeah, the United States is renowned for their fitness. People might be old, but... It, that's an area where they've traditionally been able to compensate or lock it down or just be very mm -hmm. good. And I think this tournament exposed at a certain point, there's just a limit to that. You can be the fittest 38 year old in the world, but you're still 38 if you're playing against some 22 year old, you know? Um, I think some of the players coming out of this tournament are probably gonna, it's gonna take their bodies a lot longer. <laughs> Too. Like, if they're going back to their NWSL teams and they're not coming back on right away, please be soft with them because <laughs> they're old. <laughs> I mean, I think that's... That is fair. Um, yeah, I, I just... I don't know. This tournament for a long time felt a lot worse. And then... I don't know if I like went through the stages of grief or something, <laughs> but I have come through on the other side and I now kind of feel acceptance in many ways because also i think the olympics overall not just soccer mm -hmm. but you know the entire both terrible and amazing news cycle that we went through with simone biles i think ne we need to kind of reframe some of how mm -hmm. we talk about this team and and jeff and i talked about it on yesterday's show but just is there maybe a gift of the pressure <laughs> the pressure cooker, the lid coming off for a little bit here. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really only a good thing for this team. And I think, you know, again, Carly Lloyd spoke about this a lot, about the mentality of this team. And I think you can still have that mentality without necessarily packing all that pressure <laughs> and mm -hmm. weight on top of it. And how do you get that mentality without all of those things? And that's maybe a bigger question to answer now. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk constantly about how like normies like you <laughs> and me could not deal with yes. this and maybe the players shouldn't have to either. I'm thinking about Bethany Balser. Did you read her blog post recently yes. where she's like, it's not getting better. And to a certain extent, when people say they have faith in me or they cheer me on, I feel like I can't let them down. And, you know, sometimes players need someone to come to them and ask them like are you truly happy and then just give them permission to stop and rest mm -hmm. you know and maybe that's what the team needed as well they just needed permission or the space to be allowed to to rest yeah i mean just again as a as a full normie here i need to rest just from waking up to watch this tournament so oh, yeah yeah like it it i think between pressure emotional physical like all of these things mm -hmm. i don't i that absolutely has to be a factor in this tournament and it really is i think very hard for us to quantify on the outside but i think we saw the exact same thing with challenge cup too mm -hmm. right that we didn't really get the full extent of what that did to players until after. 
Yeah. I sincerely hope everybody on this roster goes home and immediately talks to a therapist. Just unpacking all the stress. And like Becky said, she straight up had an ulcer from the the last tournament, just from the, the constant unrelenting stress. So yeah, I really honestly hope they all go home and find a way to unpack this. I mean, I can't... It's already enough pressure. Like, you and I have metrics and stuff. Like, generally, most writers have metrics that they're they're trying to meet. And even that is stressful for my little baby brain. I can't imagine <laughs> the stress of being an international athlete with constantly being asked, you know, how do you feel about little girls looking up to you? And blah, 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 blah. Your, your hometown is cheering you on. I'd be like, please don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Please don't perceive me. <laughs> All right, so basically until tomorrow when we do the final Olympics mm-hmm. edition of this podcast, and then maybe also we get, well, no, we don't get a weekend off because then episode is playing, but <laughs> we're at least now there are no more 4 a.m. wake-up times. So True. 8 a.m. when I saw that they had pushed it, I think you and I were scared that pushing it meant it would go from I was expecting, like, 2 a.m. <laughs> to write, like, 3 or 4 to be late. In, and then yeah. they were, like, 8 a.m. We were, like, mm. Oh, all right. Like, that that's is, actually... That is a real business hour on the East Coast. <laughs> I will actually feel fully human when my alarm goes off, so... I mean, I probably won't. I hate waking up, no matter what. Like, <laughs> it feels physically painful to me to wake up. I hate it. Yeah. I like, Maybe I should talk to a sleep specialist about it, but, like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be with you tomorrow at some point. Uh, maybe we will give Steph some time to recover, depending on how Canada. <laughs> Don't, please. Because there's going to be emotions no matter what. So we'll, we will get through our Christine Sinclair processing. I'm more then... stressed for Canada, Sweden than I am this game, honestly. <laughs> I figured. All right. We will end it there until tomorrow. Thanks for tuning into our Olympic coverage here at Full Time with Meg Linehan. Steph and I will be back tomorrow with a gold medal winner in our tournament wrap-up. You can follow all of our Olympic coverage at The Athletic. You can support our women's soccer coverage by subscribing at theathletic.com slash full-time. Full-time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. Today, we've got John Hayes stepping in to help us with the edit. I'm Meg. Thank you for listening. (music) 